you know, you got to get a good recording of your. Uh, I, I will of stuff. I mean, your stuff is really uh, yeah. Like I said, it's vis- it's visually dependent, so I don't mind doing a you know, an audio video thing. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I brought a couple of things. I don't. Ha- I, I will have a lot of things in September, or a lot of things. I will have more recordings in September because we're premiering a piece as well that is more audio based. Who's we? I I am doing that with an ensemble in Spain in a uh, festival in Spain. What festival in Spain? It's called the Alicante Festival. It, Alicante is on the coast below Barcelona, let's say. Okay. Like way below. I mean, not way away, but not close to Barcelona. It's still in Catalonia? No, it's not in Catalonia. Okay. <laughs> it's just on the, on the Mediterranean coast. I've never been there, so I don't really know what's going on. I, I know this ensemble. They're an ensemble in the Basque Country. I already work with them. And they're kind of up and coming because they're young, you could say. And they had this option of playing something in Alicante, so they, they told me if I wanted to write a piece for them. And I had a, a piece for more or less their, their setup, which I hadn't premiered, and I just rearranged it for them. And that piece is much less performative. The first half of it is much less performative. The second half is very performative as well, very visual. But there's bits and pieces of that which you can, you can really, I mean, it's just uh, plain old audio material, let's say. You know Do I mean? you ever write just instrumental stuff? Depends on exactly what you mean when you say purely instrumental. Okay, tell me the story of how you ended up doing what you were uh, I t- doing. I now. started from purely instrumental music. I, I I have a number of things I did when I was studying in Amsterdam. That's between 2002 and 2007. And I I was always interested in in other aspects of performance. I perhaps because the musical scene in Amsterdam is very poor. And it's a little bit frustrating. I mean, it's not really inspiring. Poor. What, what, what do you mean? Poor? It's just not inspiring. It's it's stale. It's a little bit dead. In my in my mind. At least. What, what makes it What makes it dead though? I mean, from my from my understanding, it there's a lot of like Andreessen, like kind of repetitive, boppy. Yeah, that's stuff that's going the Hague. Yeah, well, the Hague is very much Andreessen. Like, there's a lot of that vibe in there. Which I, I I have to say I don't know the music of Luis Andres and all that well, but what I did know the sixties and seventies looks like it's more interesting than what he was doing afterwards. What he's doing now is what is doing now? my friend um, was in Gadiamos. Mm-hmm. He actually won it the year he was he was in. No. Anyway, I I ended up going I ended up going there to check it out, and they had a bunch of Andres in either new works or I think actually one of them was even a premiere. Mm-hmm. And it was so. It was like it was like a really bad Stravinsky. Yeah. It was like it was just God. It was so. I was like, oh, that was just a bad student piece. Not yeah. even like a good student. Like a student that you're like, oh, that student is not going to develop into anything yeah, unless yeah. something happens to him. But it's it's like the, they have this. I don't. I don't usually like saying this, but really, when you live in in Amsterdam for so long, you get to the point where there's just no other explanation. They're so bourgeois at some point. You know what I mean? Where they want to have a concert, which is kind of like nice and hummable, and kind of like uh, it's part of their culture. You know, that's what a concert is. A, a classical music concert, a, an ancient music concert. It's kind of like the what they expect of art. It's a very bourgeois society. It has wonderful things. It's very egalitarian and stuff, and it has horrible things. For the arts, at least for the music, I, I just found it extremely uninspiring. And nobody, uh, nobody wants to rock the boat in any way, or not that I can. I mean, you've got like people that are really, you know, kind of like in the hippie groove, like Feldman adorators. No, but do, do you know this Vandalweiser? They're based in Köln, in Köln, in Cologne, I guess. No. Vandalweiser, you should look them up. I mean, it's just to know what they're doing. They're these very, very extreme uh, minimalists, but like extreme. To the, they they got a radio, like a web radio, extreme to the point where the, a piece may be, you know, two sounds in forty minutes, like twenty minute silence, then one. Okay, sound, not even then twenty like, minutes silence. Okay, okay. No, no, not even like continuous sounds. Like <laughs> there's another problem as well, which is that uh, everything German is completely rejected. Down upon completely rejected. I mean, it's nothing official, but I I really didn't hear a lot of German music uh, in concerts when I was there. German, you know, anything post uh, Schember, let's say. I mean, of course, it's not. They're not going to make it official. No, but I never heard Lachemann. I never heard the piece by Lachemann. None yeah, yeah. whatsoever. You know, and that's just odd. And they're just completely anti. So they just let's go for the opposite of that. I th- I think. Uh, in many ways, they they are. I heard someone once saying uh, of the Netherlands that they kind of like shut the borders 
to Europe, let's say, you know, metaphorically, and they kind of like looked to the to the States. And I think it's a good take on, at least for the music, it kind of works. You, For example, you have dance, where it's a uh, wonderful country and they seem to have a, a, a great tradition because every off, off, off dance performance is interesting. Every, I mean, they might be just really badly produced, low budget and not rehearsed and everything, but they all seem to have something. They all seem to have, you know, some idea what they're... I remember I, I used to go a lot to the dance academy in Amsterdam where I thought they really weren't all that good of a dancer. I mean, the people didn't really dance all that well, but the choreographies and the way they used the stage and everything, was it was great. The idea was... The ideas yeah. were there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they were um, they were really musical too. I remember they used to do a lot of repetitive pieces that you know didn't have any music, and they were really interesting. Where you would have like ten players, you know, doing kind of like I don't know patterns, and perhaps two people would be you know very far apart, and they would be kind of doing the same pattern, and another three would be, you know, it was it was kind of like an orchestration treaty. Like you were looking at all these people, and they were doing unisons and they were doing counterpoints and they were um it was very musical that was very inspiring for me and perhaps that's the reason i, I guess you have your own tendencies you know but the, like, the but, but the music there was just like absolutely like nothing was going on in in the in amsterdam yeah in yeah. The or, or or the sense of what you just described was the only thing that was going on yeah for me i didn't i mean what was what's incredibly good about amsterdam for just like the gaudeamus library for example was an incredible source for me the gaudeamus has a lot of scores a lot of scores of spalinger of uh, nicolas Hoover things and and i studied there with a, an argentinian composer i mean she was uh, she studied um at conservatorium when when i did and then she finished and we were friends and i actually even took lessons with her for a while uh, she also introduced me a lot to this German music because she knew from someone else, Ballinger and all these people and so on. So I started knowing all these people through her. And uh, and I was just so much more interested in in what I was hearing. Than and at that I point, you're like, see. okay, I got to go to uh, And that's where Berlin. I started thinking at some point I would like to go to Germany. Yeah. To study. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to just get to know these composers, I thought. And then I, I, that's probably the only German composer I saw in concert was Carola Bauchold. She was played by the Ives Ensemble. And I really liked what I heard and what I saw uh, of her too. So I even actually tried to have lessons with her, but she doesn't teach. And that's where I started realizing I would like to, you know, to move to Germany. That's what made point. you decide to go to Amsterdam? Well, I had finished studying piano in Spain and I knew I wanted to leave. Well, I didn't. Like some people I really trusted. I had a, a composition teacher in Spain, another Argentinian, and she told me I, I should I should leave if I could. You know, not not leave by any means, but you know, it was a, an enriching experience and I should by all means, you know, try and, and see some other places and see where people were up to. Okay. So she didn't mean that in the way of for the love of God get out of no. this country. She's no, just no. like, Oh, go see go see the world if you're gonna be an artist. Yes, but she she also realized I mean, she came from Argentina, then she had studied in, in Italy and now she's living in the Basque country, which is also a kind of a closed mentality. I mean it's a great place in many respects, but artistically and culturally, it's a little bit a small town mentality, let's say. What's the musical scene like in Spain? Um, whatever the German equivalent would be, or whatever the what you, you know, mean the German equivalent? Well, like new music. What you know? What is new music performed in a concert setting like in Spain? You know, I I don't feel I'm entitled to answer that question because up uh, up till four or five months ago, I would have probably told you something. But then I was just recently in Spain, and I just realized I'm so out of touch with what's going on and i just don't know a lot of the things that are going on. and i was very pleasantly surprised so anyway so what was your what was your idea of what it was before you went and what what made it change i thought it would be pretty much dead i mean in the best country it's there's just not many people doing uh many interesting stuff or stuff i would deem interesting that's just not it's i don't know there's also not a kind of a, a concert culture like there's here such a strong musical culture. I mean, we're not talking only about contemporary music, but purely uh, symphonic music. There's just not that much of a culture here. There's also all these um, small associations where people sing Schumann, Schubert, all these people. That's pretty much embedded in the culture, and it's just n not no, that those kind. Guys, those, of... pe those people are German or Austrian, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of 
part of their history, I guess. So it makes it easier to, you know, to accept for them or to, to feel a part of it. And in the Basque country where I come from, it's just not all that evident. For example, <clears throat> uh, sculpture is somehow some, I don't know why, but for some reason, it's just, there were a number of sculptors that were really, well, it's interesting, let's say. So that has kind of like more of a place, like the visual arts have more of a place than, than the music does. But anyways, when I got to this forum, I was expecting to see a pretty much, you know, dead, non-interesting, a little bit old school contemporary music. But you mean young people I mean, writing young, in that style? Yeah, I mean yeah. young people writing uh, 1960s, 1970s, post-serial kind of thing. It's kind of hard to define, I guess. I was expecting to see that or people doing neo-romantic stuff, which is what I knew from the Basque country, kind of like half in there. And I found a very varied number of people with, with very legitimate approaches. Some of them I liked better, some of them I... I didn't like that much, but as I said, you know, legitimate approaches to, to music and legitimate intents. But anyways, I was very surprised. It completely struck me because I wasn't expecting that. So I, I just don't think I know anymore what the Spanish musical scene looks like. Of course, uh, Madrid and Barcelona would be the, the, uh, the most important. The South, it looks, that's where Elena comes from. Um, to me, it looks really good because I feel people there just seem to be much more creative. The things that are going on there, the composers I know, and a lot of the Spanish composers I like come from there. You know, it looks almost random, but it's, I really think there's a, a kind of a culture of the artistic value that is just more present in the South than it is in the North. That's crazy because the South, for the most part, is known for, I mean, it's kind of poor, isn't it? It's poorer than the, than the North, but it's not crazy at all because if you come to think of it, it's what I said, you know, the North, the values that are more, you know, fostered and stuff, it's, it's economic values. And the values that are associated with them, like freedom in the sense of individual bourgeois um, freedom and stuff, and not necessarily artistic values. My family was very artistic because my parent, my father um, studied art history first, and he wanted us to be very... I remember he would take us all over Spain to watch, to see cathedrals. And he would, you know, tell us what all the names of these pillars and these columns were and stuff. And we were that like... That sounds like such a dad thing to do. But it's... Cra- I mean, many, not every dad does that. But I mean, he, he he always instilled this whole art thing a lot on us. Probably a bit too much. It backfired because he wanted us to be lawyers. And then I ended up being a musician and my brother is, is writing and doing a film. And he, he didn't really like that that much in the beginning. But He was, um, he was against it, huh? Not against not it, against but, like, it yeah. but it wasn't, you know, everyone kept telling, because he asked, he asked, when I said, well, they, they wouldn't let my brother, when my brother said, I want to do film, they said, no way, you study something, then you do film. So he started like business, he went to a business school, and then he started doing film. And I couldn't do that, because we knew if I was going to do music, I, I'd have to commit myself 100%, because he was the only way. And so he was asking, uh, they were asking a lot of people, what what is it like? What is it? And everyone said there's just not a lot of money <laughs> in it. <laughs> Big understatement. So they kept asking me, "Is this really what you want to do? Is this really what you want to do?" And uh, it was. And they said, "Well, you know, you, then you really need to take your chances, and you really need to make the best of it." Do, do you really believe that music is the one where you can't stop and pick it up, and like film is different? I think music is certainly different because you have to bear in mind at that time uh, we didn't know whether I was gonna end up. I wanted to be a composer. I always said I wanted to do composition, but for a long time, I was devoting a lot of time to piano playing and I wasn't bad at it. So we didn't really know if I was going to be end up, you know, doing piano or being an, what do you call it? An accompanist or... Uh, an, a co- accompanist. An yeah. accompanist. We didn't know if that's what I was going to end up doing. And that is, it's it's really dramatic when you're you're playing piano, you're playing, you're playing, you're playing and you stop, I mean, not even for a year, you just stop for a month or a month and a half. You just, you can feel it in your fingers. My I'm, I sit now at the piano and I feel sorry for myself. But, but what I'm saying is I think what what makes movie direction any different, you still have chops. I mean, maybe maybe it's, maybe the only reason it's not like music is because it's it doesn't have so much to do with the body and muscle memory yeah but you still have chops that can go weak yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah but uh i don't know if the 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 choice they made with my brother was the right one i understand their reasons they said well if you do business and stuff you know the film industry at this point is a kind of a business you will learn you know something which will kind of help you 
that's also for us it's still also a problem what what are you going to do with your life because you have to find a way to make a living and um, me i didn't study anything while i was doing piano but i found myself studying translation the last three or four years because i really didn't see it all fitting you know flawlessly together for me and now in composition yeah in composition composition. did you study you studied in the university yeah i did like this distance study thing with the university do you ever hope to not have to do that anymore no you know what i like it i like it and i what i what that's something i learned when i was in in amsterdam where I finished my studies there, and it was like the nothingness. I had started teaching uh, piano, actually keyboard, which I hated to teach keyboard. And I did that for a year while I was learning German to come here. You know, artistically, I had nothing, like nothing, nothing at all in, in the Netherlands. And partly it has to do with, with the country, but I, th- I feel the Netherlands, it, it protects a little bit its, its own um, citizens, its own, uh, let's say, Dutch people first. In of many, course, I mean, of course. In many respects. I mean, every country does that to an extent. Yeah, but I got here, you know, I got here to this university. And the first semester I, I was accepted, but I was actually still working in the Netherlands. So I would just come and go. And the first semester I was here, they had this project, this New York, Paris, um, Berlin project. Yeah, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Joaf took part in that. And I won it on a, on a coin toss. It was Joaf and me. And we tossed a coin and I won. But um, but the, the incredible thing for me was... A fucking coin toss. But wait, it, it, it makes sense because they had like six people. They had six people that had, you know, showed some interest in the project. And then Daniel said, okay, I think you and you and you are, you know, twirling the study. Oh, it's nice that there was some like merit. Like it was a little bit of a meritocracy. Yeah. And the thing is that ruled out all the German people. I was shocked. Because that's not how the things worked in the at least in Amsterdam. You have this project, you offer it to the Dutch people first, and then we see. Some projects were open for all the students, and everyone could just apply, and then you would see. But some some special projects that they got every now and then, and so they. I felt that that's what they did, and in in here they didn't. And in the end, it came to Joaf and me, and they couldn't make a decision, and they tossed a coin. It's horrible, but it's not fair. For, I mean, for maybe the one it's not. Maybe yeah. you know. Maybe it's not. Maybe there was some better way to like eat, uh, make it a little bit more about uh, yeah uh, merits. I feel the end. Probably. Sense. Are you gonna be chewing gum on the mic? Were you chewing gum this whole time? I was chewing gum this whole time. Oh, that's pretty skillful. Yeah, I had no idea. I'm good. Wait. <laughs> okay, so you were doing. You're going back and you were going back and forth between uh, Amsterdam and Berlin. Yeah, but and also, then you got, I... and you got this, and you got this thing, and they did not give it to the German people. Yeah, um, but I was talking about what I learned that when I finished in the Netherlands, it was all, everything was dead. I didn't have anything to get a hold of. I mean, it just didn't have any any leads to to follow. It was just I had nothing to do. Just teach and hope for something to to come and that's something i tried to do differently when i came here and i tried to um, diversify i hardly spell i hardly played piano when i was in the netherlands and i tried to do that more when i was here because i i figured okay i can do that so you know i need to keep my options open as much as i can because it's just a, a hard world it's just i'm not i'm gonna be drowning in, in in job offers so i might as well try to diversify a little bit and i think it's I, I mean, I'm still, and I like that. I like that. I'm I'm now translating a, a book and uh, composing, and I feel it's things I can, you know, they can sort of coexist in my head. They inform one another, really? Mm, like, they can coexist? Not that yeah. much, but like, when I taught, I hated teaching. And I would teach, and I would come back home, and I would just, I, I hated teaching, and I hated music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, Well, it made you hate music, teaching. Because I don't know, it's for me it was very frustrating. I was teaching kids that weren't too young and not too old, so you can't treat them as adults. Uh, let's say 12, 12, 13. I don't have that's the exact age I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't have the communication skills to reach these kids, and it, for me it was very frustrating to see something which I hold so dear and that's so unimportant to these people, and I couldn't reach them. And it's it's my fault. I'm not saying they're like like lazy slobs. I just couldn't transmit them my my passion or my ideas and when i had i had a couple of younger kids and i really enjoyed them because they were for me they were a little bit bit more open and we could really do stuff and play and develop 
a sense of playfulness that I, I could also feel a part of, but this 12, 13, you know, I, I really couldn't do that. I mean, kids those age for anything have like, uh, they have a sense of, you know, apathy and laziness that doesn't matter what's, you know, it wasn't like they weren't into music. It's just that most kids that age aren't into anything except. Yeah. And they also know. like kind of want to be treated like adults, but they're not really adults. So you can't really play with them that much because they'll look at you like you're completely nuts. But you can't also really talk to them, you know, you know, one to one basis, you know, man to man. Maybe you should offer them, you know, something like cigarettes and alcohol if they practice <laughs> or something. That's exactly that would get me to practice when I was like 12, 13. I had one that I had this kid that wanted to play all these all these rap songs on the keyboard, and I'm like, it's just how do you play rap not, song on the keyboard? It's just not gonna work. Do you know this song? It's not a rap song. It's um this one. He didn't want to play a lot of stuff, but one one of them was like, "It's a song that goes, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Don't you wish your, your girlfriend, girlfriend was that doesn't hot work like on a keyboard. Me. It doesn't work on a keyboard. It was just not my world. I always thought, you know, well, you can teach when once you're done, you can teach this or that, and you will get by. But I mean, that was your business degree. Yeah, in a way. That's why. Yeah, that's yeah. That was my way. My way out in case of you know. And I and there I realized. By God, I don't want to do this. At least not at this level. And uh, it's not like I'm. Someone's gonna call me to teach in in a college tomorrow or or the year afterwards. So I need to find like a plan B. So you so you studied translation. Yeah, I studied translation, but it's not only that. I also tried to diversify. I tried to be a little bit more aware of what was going on. And for example, this thing now I'm doing with the actors, where I, um, you know, we did this piece now, and now we're trying to set up a small ensemble of actors slash musicians where we're going to find programs that kind of suit the our abilities and try to work and this all comes together well first because we form a, a nice group and we're all kind of like interested but also i think a lot of us had this idea in our heads that we wanted to perhaps do something it's like a seed you plant it in your head and it comes you know it, it comes perhaps in three or four years Sometimes if you're not thinking about it, then you're not ready when the opportunity shows up. Yeah. In, in Amsterdam, I was kind of like working for myself and doing stuff for me and trying to find out what I wanted to do. And that's all fine. It's, it's, it's perfect. But uh, when I came here, I realized I had to get out there a little bit more. And it was scary. I remember when I came here the first year, it was scary because I was pushing myself, you know, to try and present music in front of other people, to try and talk about my music in front of other people. And I, I, I felt like I didn't really know what to talk about. But that that's that's a great exercise. It's post educational arts angst, you know, <laughs> and it's you know you know it you know it it's there and it's trivial compared to other problems in the world. But it's still you know yeah, it's still your it's problem. still it's still it's still intense when you're in the middle of it and you're trying to figure out how you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah, and it's also what you do. And it, I mean, it's yeah. For me, it was it was just tough. I felt like I was really young, you know, like I was very helpless, like I didn't have a clue. But uh, this this confrontation kind of helps you grow a lot. And that's something they do really well in Germany, where they push you constantly to state yourself or present yourself, to say what you think about this, to, to position yourself here or there or stuff. I feel at least that they, they push you a lot to do that. Not so much in the also in the institutions perhaps, but really culturally. The Yoav interview I did, we spent a lot of time shitting on the system here in Germany. <laughs> we, 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 really, we, we really did. And then at the end, we both kind of went around and came to the realization that how supportive they are and how possible it is compared to you know other places. Yeah. The options that they see is a stylistic yeah. option. And that's not the way it is here. Partially, there's also... I mean, the, but this is so much bigger. That's one of the differences I felt within... Contemporary music, what what one says is contemporary music, there's so many representative schools in here. There's so many people doing very different things. And of course, there are certain places where you're bound to, you know, get more attention if you're doing this or you're doing that. But um, it's just, in the Netherlands, it's just everything's much, much smaller. And then it's just all exacerbated, you know. You see that much, much clearer. I think this, I, I mean, at, at least in, in that respect, this is a much fairer country, I guess. And also I feel that's the reason, I like a lot of German composers and I feel that's part of the reason as well, that they kind of have a certain degree of freedom to to develop uh, a language, to develop their skills, to develop their, their materials and their, their, you know, whatever it is they're, they're looking for. I feel there's more 
of an option in here than there is uh, in in the Netherlands. That that is true. I mean, they they, they do have space, but they still have this post-war anti-intuition sometimes. Mm -hmm. But within that, they can go wherever. Uh, they yeah, want. and there's a number yeah. of. I I feel yeah, probably has to do with what you say. One has to also play the German game. You have to present things in a certain way, and I feel it's kind of like a loophole like you can get away with a lot of things if you know how to how to present them like they i've seen stuff where you know they have like this really brooding very deep and thoughtful kind of structure and the the actual thing is a piece of shit it's really when you're looking at it and you're thinking oh my god this is really embarrassing how <laughs> did this come to place and it's because they do it through this whole you know really deep thoughtful and philosophical almost explanations you know and i feel that for example i just i someone like kagel what he does regardless of what one thinks of what he did or not it's just it's just not so very german but when you i mean he kind of like finds his way within this country to be able to to do that and to justify that in a certain in a certain way but you're you're not talking about the music itself you're talking about literally his angle when he's putting it out there into the public I feel this is a, that's an important topic in in here. I, I'm not saying it should be, uh, but I think it it is. You see, I see a lot of people here which I don't really, you know, I don't. I just don't like the music. Some of them I can't even understand. How did they get away with it? And they have these hugely complex philosophical or pseudo philosophical systems to go with, with with the music they do or stuff and that kind of seems to open a lot of doors when you're when you're dealing with something as abstract as music i'm talking about maybe something without uh like not an opera absolute music yeah yeah when you're dealing with something with like absolute music it's always going to end up being something pseudo philosophical mm -hmm. because you can't approach this type of very difficult philosophy with absolute music and have it be communicated in very concrete terms so it's always pseudo to me. Again, there's much, much worse examples, you know, where you're reading like this uh, incredibly self-righteous or incredibly arrogant uh, program note. And then you see a, you hear a piece that's nothing or that's just, you know, the most uh, standard piece ever. And that's pretty much an everyday thing. I mean, nowadays, at least in what I see in the concerts I've been going to. Do you think it's ever going to be another way? Um, I think it's already turning. I think, well, some people are always bound. I mean, there's always different kinds of people, you know, coexisting in every musical scene. Some people are more charlatan-like or they're just better talkers. I mean, some people, you know, they have, you have to use your strengths as well. I, I think I'm, I, for example, I think I'm a good, I think I'm a good talker. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think I have to, you know, What's most important for me has to be the piece I'm presenting, not how good am I able to to defend that verbally, but how good it stands on its own on feet. I am very much in favor of really re, you know, a, a small at least re democratization of art, where people just come there and I say I didn't understand this at all and I just don't like it, and and that has and that's and that's part of how it's judged. And that has an intrinsic value, you know. And I don't care if it's done with with uh, because I have that uh, with with lots of pieces where it's done with God knows what and so. And I don't give a shit. I really don't give a shit. I give a shit if I like the piece, if the if the piece gets to me, if it tells me something and stuff. And then it's got a lot of things behind it. Then that's great. It's a, it's an added plus, but it doesn't have an intrinsic value on its own. I'm I I am not interested in that. And that also goes for this whole program note thing and this whole philosophical uh, constructs that are behind the pieces i don't i i first need to get there you know through this yeah through this i mean the, i mean the the truth is and you know stop me if you don't think this is right isn't that isn't isn't the whole culture that we're kind of complaining about right now isn't it isn't it protected by like a political climate what i'm saying is if people putting on curating concerts if they were dependent on audience uh, uh, audience <laughs> audience audiences coming in and knowing that the composer was doing its best to give an experience that anybody with a reasonably open mind could have yeah in other words not a specialist yeah 
That's, um, but that's about, I mean, but if, if that if, also means this is not going to be a mass. I mean, we're not going to play it in football stadium, you know? I don't think so. No, that's, of course, that's never But I look around and happen. I see a lot of people. A lot of people are my friends. They're art historians. They're visual artists. And these people, they, they go to a concert and they, they want to drop dead. I go to a concert and I want to drop dead. And then there's something that's not going right. It's a fine line. It's also not, let's give the people what they want in, in this very simplistic view because who's the people and what do they want we don't know but it's what you just said it's a reasonable person with an open mind who's interested in art and stuff if he's not interested in these concerts then we're doing something wrong and i think i think we are mm -hmm. a lot of these concerts they're they're doing things wrong but but i mean this is something maybe i'm imagining it in my head but i see this kind of down the pike this culture of not being held to that standard yeah. has been protected by art that is subsidized and this kind of style and way of talking about music is also going to have to end when it's not so subsidized anymore yeah yeah i don't think necessarily that's a bad thing I don't um, think it's a bad thing either. Yeah, I'm still waiting to see how this whole political scenario is going to develop. As, as I said, I just don't think it's a bad thing that uh, this whole subsidy culture is rethought or, or that we reconsider a lot of things. The way this whole political scenario is developing is not something I completely agree with. This whole crisis and the way it's all being handled and stuff and all these austerity, austerity, austerity measures. Let's see. Because we, we really don't know how it's going to all play out in the next years. So tell me about this, you know, th this ensemble that you did, your, or I guess some of the players that you did, your Abschluss, say that with the, the most American accent possible, <laughs> <laughs> your uh, graduation concert. Yeah. Oh, that sounds horrible, too. Yeah, yeah, um, let's say that concert. Should I tell you about what? Sorry, I missed the point. What, that, that, that you're, now, you're now forming an ensemble with yeah. these people? Yeah, yeah. With the actors, I mean, some of them I met when I did that piece uh, last year, where I worked as an actor too, or as a performer, musician performer, let's say. Well, it's what I said before, like, um, you know, I, I was always working with kind of this gestural world of the, of the musicians and with image and with, with this kind of um, elements. And it all seemed to come together because, I mean, we were doing there, I mean, we rehearsed for like three months. And we would see each other every day, you know, six days a week, eight hours a, a day. It was very intense. And uh, it was that much. It was that much work. It's just a lot, a lot of time. And it's also very, in I thought it was very intense because when you're on stage playing, it's, it's something, uh, but it's very different when you're on stage as a person as well, you know, and when you have to walk somewhere, you have to do something and you're there. Uh, I felt like all the time when we were doing the rehearsals, I felt at times I was very emotional because the situation was a little bit i wasn't used to it you know to just being there sometimes you feel stupid you feel like you're naked you feel a little helpless it's kind of it does something to you i think to put yourself in that situation where you have someone looking at you and kind of judging you as you walk somewhere or as you because that's how we worked as well i mean the guy was just like looking at us all the time and we would do things and he would you know deem whether it was uh, whether that was uh, good for the piece or not it was i i didn't know what i was doing at the time i didn't know what i had gotten into but it was it was pretty intense for the actors who knew them who knew him very well from the beginning because it's just every day you get there and you do stuff and you're constantly being judged i think that can do things with your brain but anyways we felt like we had a lot of things in common and we can talk very well and also we are all a little bit in this kind of gray area between uh, music and the scenic arts, which is very interesting. You know, I'm I'm mainly a composer. I also play the piano and I, I like being on stage. I've done some stuff as a performer without a piano, not really much, but it's just, it's just something I really like. And I think that's if you like it, it's you've you've got a lot gained you can do a lot of things on stage if you feel more or less comfortable on stage. Like, for example, Daniela, the, the piano player, he's, a, he's both a piano player and an actor. He's worked as both, as an actor, absolutely, without an instrument, as a piano player. And he, he did both studies. Uh, Katrin, she, she plays cello. I mean, she's an actress. That's what she is. That's, that's what she works as. But also, she plays cello, and she plays actually pretty nicely, and she's very musical. 
even if she hasn't had you know the musical studies and and the other girl vera she's a, a yoga teacher and she had some dance background as well and she plays the violin and the baroque violin so it's a very uh, they're very weird people you know they're very multi-talented people and that's just very for me for what i was doing when we did the piece it was it's always it's what i always tell them you know there's so many things we can't do we cannot do a uh, shakespeare piece because probably the only people that can do it is uh, are Catherine and daniela i would totally suck at it and and vera would totally suck at it too probably because we're just not that we cannot play sanakis because probably vera is the only person that that is really practicing regularly enough in order in order to be able to pull that off but within these extremes there's a lot of things you can do and a lot of things you can do really well and for me personally it's so valuable to have these people that can you know take all this whole world of actions and gestures and stuff and find a certain musicality within which is what this piece that we did was all about uh, in the end and this is i mean this piece i wouldn't i would have never written it if had i not known these people yeah i mean it's not something you can just do with with someone where you i mean there's this part for example where they're just writing and they stand up and kind of like uh, bend down to write again and that's all done in a very rhythmical way but it, it has to you know it has to remain natural because if it's not then it doesn't it's just, it's just ridiculous if it's not it, it doesn't have anything it doesn't add anything it's this whole paradox of this thing that is very natural and very everyday like and at the same time it's incredibly uh, composed at least to me every, every is everything notated i mean it, it's composed in the sense that everything's very carefully planned out and i would say that there's not much at least from what i could tell not much actual improvising going on no there's almost no improvising yeah, yeah. Just... but is everything actually notated in the score this note head in this rhythm means hands up so, bits of it means too. chop you know means chop a carrot yeah um there's score gets just as the piece gets more and more musical the score gets more and more precise in the beginning where you have the different spots on the different players you know and you see one player then you see another player then you yeah, see yeah, another yeah, player. Yeah. all they have is uh, the allotted time 20 seconds five seconds or six seconds the time they're going to be on the spot and what they have to do what they absolutely have to do on that time and they also can do something else on 20 seconds peel a carrot you have 20 seconds. Well, it, it looks like 20 seconds. Um, you kind of like read something in book, take cup from, from box, uh, put it there, blah, blah, blah. Or it may also look like repeat actor number two's uh, gestures as equally as possible or start or depart from where actor number three just uh, finished from the same position or these kind of things. Uh, but it's, you know, relatively open within those... 20 seconds you can kind of like do whatever you want as long as you take the cup and you put it there and you show me the celery or you cut the celery or you but then towards the end nose. it's notated like a very clear maybe wrist twist of the wrist yeah or something like that and towards yeah. the end it's really a four four and it's one two twist your wrist and okay one two three stand up and think about something one two three write down one, two, three, look to your left, or these kinds of things. It's very strict. Do you think anybody could pick this up, pick up the score, and know what to do? I would say even maybe like a Spallinger score, and mm-hmm. technically they can figure it out from looking at the score. I'm trying. I'm trying to... That's that's my goal now. I'm, I'm rewriting the score, because really when we did the premiere, we didn't have a score. I mean, we had a score, but it was just a mess. You couldn't give that to anybody. They, they wouldn't understand the thing. And now I'm really trying to write a score. The thing is, when you work with these materials, they're so hard to pin down. You know, there's so things that are so subtle and you can't just write everything on the score. And it makes such a difference. For example, the whole end of the piece where they do all these actions and they sound like they write and it sounds and they kind of break their bones and it sounds and all that stuff. It makes such a big difference if the people just stand there and they kind of look straight in the audience and start doing all these things. Or if they kind of just do them naturally 
without acknowledging the the audience it's very it's very different and there's a whole range of grades in between where you can do half 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 and this kind of thing i'm positive you can't write it down you have to write down what's kind of like important for you and what makes a certain sense and then you have to i mean there's such a thing as as players responsibility as well and i am absolutely convinced that there's just no piece of music that will work without a player that's willing to make it work somehow i mean some pieces need more work than others and a piece of this characteristic probably needs a little bit more for example there's also this piece by carol about called for the uh, scola heidelberg where she has like a, a whole cd where they recorded all the sounds because they're so difficult to describe it's really so hard to describe what kind of sound and some sounds that resemble animals and stuff and but it's hard how do you write that for voice you know it's so hard when you're doing all these kind of like in between things you're, how, how do you write that you you can't you can't but you don't have to i mean there's just uh, another possibility nowadays which is you can really leave a recording and say this is what it should be i mean this is what we were thinking it of course it's not a dogma you can try and find just as everyone does interpretations of classical music you can also as long as it's done respectfully and you know consciously i i think it shouldn't be a problem so is your goal to make the score specific enough that it has a life outside of your let's say jurisdiction uh, yeah I, mean? I yeah I'd, I'd like that but uh i also as i said yeah perhaps also one has to embrace all these uh, other possibilities like a video it's just so easy and it, it makes your life so much easier everyone's life so much easier or even i just sent for example for the for this piece we're doing in spain i just sent the piano player the whole preparation of the piano i just sent her a, a youtube link with me doing all the extended techniques on the on the piano it's so just, much better than spending an hour to read about these things yeah even just, even the john cage prepared piano stuff is pretty difficult to figure out i mm. mean and this is really I mean, there were know, photos back then but there were certainly no and also the pianos change and stuff and and this is really i mean this is how it sounds okay you'll have to figure out a way i'm giving you the tools perhaps it has to be a little bit different you can figure out a way how to how to get there and that's that's really valuable nowadays at the end of the day it's people sitting down and doing something and that's when pragmatism is king yeah at that point you know but i feel like i i personally feel i've i've learned a little bit to let go because i i would freak out some years ago i had something like this happen i would totally freak out and now i've learned to let go and to kind of embrace a little bit pragmatism because sometimes you kind of like it depends on what you know pragmatism as in real pragmatism, not someone just being a dick and not wanting to do something that's not pragmatism, but to embrace certain things that are just, you know, that's just the way it is and let's deal with this and let's make the best out of that instead of trying just driving me nuts. Like any work situation, you know, you have to, you know, there's a, there's a give and take and you have to know when to put yeah. your foot down and say, you yeah. know, I think there is enough time for you to reach into the piano and hit this harmonic. Yeah. Or let me rethink the part and the next day you give them, you know, an extra four beats of rest before they have to jump inside the piano and do it. Yeah, yeah. but many times I, I will say to someone now like, oh, you can do that, a, 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 you can play that a quarter note, uh, you know, shorter. Or you can, uh, it doesn't have to be a C, it can be a, a C sharp, if you can reach that. And I would have never done that some years ago. I was probably, I don't know, that's when, when you're beginning. The you problem is, is like... that we're taught all these 20th century masterpieces where everything is so tightly constructed. Even if you change one pitch in a Webern piece, in a way it kind of makes this perfect thing fall apart. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually, I'm just projecting myself right now, but, <laughs> but I mean, that's how I, that's how I saw those pieces. And then I was like, okay, that's the standard I have to adhere myself yeah. to. And then someone's like, this is really difficult, you know, uh, and it seems kind of unnecessary to do that. And they'd be <laughs> right. But I'm like, no, 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 there's this huge, perfect structure in place. Yeah, and yeah. if you play that an octave higher, then this structure is going to fall apart. So now you have to do this thing that's going to take 20 hours of uh, yeah. practicing that you're probably not going to get right in the performance and only and, and, and is technically extremely difficult and in a way not worth it because I have this standard in my head. Yeah. And now I'm, now I'm completely different. Now I'll rethink it so to mold it to uh, not a technically structural perfection, but to do what I can best to get a very effective audible reality of yeah. what i want it to do and if and, and if that means putting it down an octave so the audience does not have to see a pianist 
freak out at a certain <laughs> point, then I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's also, I don't think it's only personal. I think it's really in the air. Perhaps it's because the people that I'm in contact with, that are my age, we're all going through this revelation stage where you learn to value everything for what it is. And uh, you learn to, to value your structure and your thoughts and the way you structured things in a piece for what it is. Perhaps it's just the way one develops when one gets older. I don't know. T tell me about the material. Like, why did you why did you choose everyday material? Why are they chopping carrots? Why are they? <laughs> they, you know? they actually don't chop carrots. I think no. one of them has a carrot, but they actually chop um, celery. I think. Okay. Yeah. But there's also carrots. But um, no, it, it it came from different places. It, it just kind of we started testing some very very small fragments. Like the first thing we tested was people, unpacking stuff out of a box three people unpacking stuff out of a box. That, that's like the first sketch I had. Why unpack? I don't have a clue. I just thought about that. And uh, that kind of like stayed in the piece because that's how the piece begins. The whole thing with the celery and the carrots and stuff is what I was, what was, what is really interesting for me musically as well, but I tried to also use in these pieces when you have these elements that take place or that appear in different contexts, you know, and they have different functions in depending on which context they are. And so... I have these three people with these three tables and there's these objects on the table and each and every one of them has like a different relation to these objects that are kind of like the same, more or less. A lot of them are, are repeated, which is something we still want to do, a project we still want to do with um, Foley artist techniques, you know, like all the sound effects in, in films. Uh, how they're done like the I think like a punch in the face is someone actually snapping a celery stick for, or something that's like, like that. bones breaking oh yeah bones breaking yeah, is, yeah. It's, it's, and then for example when they're doing that in the end when, when she's like breaking her, her wrist and you hear this kind of like it's really disgusting it's just like this um, I don't know it's like a little bit moist but like snapping at the same time and that's celery and this other one does uh, you know she kind of like cracks her neck and that's a 
that's carrots all this all these things so basically there's one of them has kind of like this he's like a, a foley artist and he has all this material which he's using to produce sounds that he's kind of like recording there's another one that has all these for example she has the celery and the uh, the uh, carrots but she's just eating them it's just part of like a side thing and she's just reading something and, and kind of like rehearsing a piece that's the one on the left side and the one in the middle is kind of like almost studying these things so that's the way all these elements came together it's just trying to find these objects that could have different meanings for these different people and also as the piece develops because most of the sounds that we hear in the end where they're doing stuff and it sounds and stuff most of these sounds are taken from these foley artist things you know like there's also these gloves that he kind of shakes uh, in front of the mic and that's like this fluttering of, of wings I don't know they just added up I didn't have like a plan before they just kept coming and I thought aha that's a good idea aha let's keep it coming for example the steak which he kind of slaps and the, the slap that the one of the actresses gets in the face uh, towards the end of the piece that kind of just I don't know just came together I had a list of a lot of foley uh, material part of what I noticed is that everything there and every action is almost like an everyday every everybody's had the experience of unpacking mm-hmm. everybody's chopped celery I guess not everybody has slapped a steak <laughs> but there's just something about the the fact that they were normal everyday activities that everybody in the audience has done something so i'm wondering if you're trying to make it relatable and accessible in that sense and in a way it was illuminating the sounds of the everyday uh, world and all of these sounds can also be put into a context that is considered uh, music. But not only the sounds. I mean, it, I, I love the the title, The Order of Things. It's The Order of Things in Spanish. That's what's what's called. It's, it's taken from this uh, Michel Foucault book, which I really like as well. But I really like the title because it's kind of like a philosophy as well. That when you start ordering these actions, when you start ordering these, these objects, when you start, you know, giving them a certain purpose uh, a certain purpose then they become music too you know when these actions are ordered it's kind of a dance it becomes a kind of a music of the world and that's when i started um you know when i started doing all these gestures with musicians and visual things and stuff what, what i was really interested in it was how to work with that in a way that it's musical before i started working now i think of it before i started working with all that i started doing um, spatialization that was like the first extra musical thing that i did everybody has i think everybody has a specialization phase <laughs> don't they i mean it's it's you know it's, i it's, did i mean <laughs> so did i what i mean everybody has that phase because they realize it's the first kind of experience they can have that's outside of the audio cd that like makes yeah. it a live experience yeah i guess you could be right about that i had that phase so i i probably don't want to call it a i don't want to see myself as standard so I, I refuse to call it a face, but I had such a thing. It's just what 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 stayed with me uh, after that phase. What was really interesting for me is to think about specialization as an extension of orchestration. You know, when you say I'm gonna have this, you know, these sounds, and I want this sound to be a particular timbre, a particular dynamic, and that means uh, the flute can play it. It should be played by a, a violin. It should be harmonic, or it should be this, or it should be scratch, or whatever. And it should come from there as opposed to where the rest of the ensemble is. And that's like a, a, a new layer of, of meaning. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you have this event and it has all these layers of meaning and it just just had another one. And that's the way I try to, to work with this visual aspect and this gestural aspect, you know, to add this, these layers of meaning. So you play this tone and you play it like this and stuff. And perhaps when you play it, like, for example, what I'm doing now with wind instruments, uh, you play that and stuff and you just don't move while you do that. And that adds a completely different layer. You can do exactly the same thing by playing it normally and it means something. And if you do exactly that and you're not moving, you're just playing wind instruments, you can really play them without any noticeable movement. It it adds onto onto this this element you know that it, it's cut i like to think about that as an orchestration not as something that's like external to the to the music and in that context this whole idea of taking these actions taking these gestures and making them uh, music in itself was a natural development i guess sometimes it's funny because 
you have a name for a piece and you don't have a piece. Sometimes you know already so much when you have a name, you know what I mean? Normally I, I'm not very good with names and I, I always, you know, kind of like whistle out of it in the last minute. The, this was completely different. I knew the name before because I knew what the piece was about. You know, you know what the general idea is, what is it, what it's important and interesting. And and then from that you find your... Uh, and then you find then you the find little material. bits and pieces, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. kind of like fit and serve a, a purpose. But yeah, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you're also looking at material all the time and trying to make a piece out of, out of that. What I like is uh, trying to work with with a musical concert as an interdisciplinary thing in itself, which is also what it is, you know, because you're not just hearing people on a CD, you're, you're seeing them. And that means something. There's a whole layer of stuff uh, that's going on and that's just there. You know what I mean? I like to work like that because I think it's very integrated and I like when interdisciplinary things are, are integrated. And I think a musical performance is an interdisciplinary event. It's just most of the time we take a whole part of it for granted and sometimes we musicians we take it even too much for granted because for example I played this piece a number of times this video piece where I play the piano or every time we played it until now and a lot of people tell me after that performance they really enjoy watching me play the piano because I have all these bow hairs and I'm doing all these weird things and that's something that we musicians we're almost taught to zone out like you're listening to what the people are doing and yeah, he's doing that and he's doing this and that. And yeah, people don't like, think about the mechanics of it. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. We're kind of like almost taught to zone that out and it's just, a, it's just a part of it. And it's also, you know, even if you're doing traditional music, it's an incredibly important thing to think about because you could you could have a really cool sound, but it could look ridiculous. Absolutely. Like, I heard, for example, I love this tema by Lachman. Yeah. I love this piece. I, I, it's one of my favorite pieces. And I saw one performance of it live, which was great. I really enjoyed it a lot. I just thought the, the singer was a little bit too soft, like I could hardly hear her. And I remember talking to Elena and she told me she had seen a couple of performances where it was so embarrassing. The singer was so embarrassing because it kind of like conjured up like a whole range of toilet humor connotations, you know, everything she does. And she's all, all she's doing in this is, so it, it can be really bad. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Lockamon was just thinking about that sound in the abstract. Okay, maybe it's a great sound, but it's uh, it can totally um, backfire. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> but but if a person's making it on stage in front of what a bunch of people, mean? it's yeah. really yeah. But I remember, for example, when I was it's also in classical music to a certain extent. When I when I was studying piano, I started studying Hammerklavier, the Hammerklavier Sonata. Yeah, from okay. Beethoven. You know, yeah. Do you remember how it begins? This and that's I, I had just started and i was just really why do i have to make this humongous leap you know from down below up to a chord and i have a lot of chances of missing that chord and it's right in the beginning of the piece and it's just shit but the gesture of the piano player is so it means something you know, it's part of the music yeah i mean that extra movement that's closer to what you do than what lakaman <laughs> Yeah. Lachman does but I mean also Lachman was there in, a, in it was a different time when he did Tema so people were probably even if they felt she looked like she was on the loo they had to repress that probably at the time when that was premiered that of, was of the beginning course, of the 60s of, of, of course but the, but the idea is that if his intention was to have someone look like they were on the <laughs> toilet and then and then realize that you know the social norm was that the uh, uh, audience is going to repress that then you know then he's brilliant you know <laughs> but that was that but you know you know as, as good as a composer as he is i don't give him that credit no that no he was and taking the piece that is, into is brilliant but yeah. uh, and it's brilliant on a different level i saw this piece actually this provenspiel uh, that's that's uh, i think it's wednesday or something like that from the opera where they go one by one they come just like an ensemble and they come one by one on stage and they play like a small solo and you know that goes on and on and on until the double ba double bass player comes and he's playing his solo and he starts playing and he starts like falling and then he's playing like on his back on the floor and then a mummy shows up from like behind the the whole ensemble you mean like king tut yeah okay yeah like a mummy with a tam-tam walking like extremely slowly you know towards the double bit but this lasts for like five minutes you know and i was i was i saw that actually at the concert in amsterdam which is like 
you know, huge concert hall and stuff. By the way, it's Stockhausen is very widely played in Amsterdam somehow. Because I said that before and now I just remember. I don't know why, but Stockhausen, they played all the time. And uh, you see this mummy, you know, coming <laughs> towards you. And there's one guy like like struggling on the floor with his double bass and his mummy just coming with the temtem. Of course, he, you know, he gets up to the double bass player and he plays the temtem and then he leaves. And it's just I thought it was it, it was genius because it was just so ridiculous. I just don't understand why. You know, I you know it's it's I'm sure it's it's hard to come up with things that ridiculous. Yeah, you know? I mean, as as random as it the as, yeah, it, yeah. Se- as it seems. <laughs> It's hard to put thoughts that random together. I know, you know? I know and I, and and also like, for me, what was great is it's completely random, and also you know what's going to happen from the moment you see it, and then it takes like seven minutes to happen, and you <laughs> see it like coming, little by little. And you're thinking, it's no what? longer about what's going to happen; it's about no, making it's you like, wait a, for the obvious ridiculous thing that's going to happen. What yeah, the yeah. fuck is this? Yeah. You know what, what? What is this? But I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It was such an odd figure. How was it received? Would people like it? I mean, the piece was kind of... I mean, the whole piece, that's not the only thing that happened. It's like it's like an hour-long piece. And I think people liked it. Did it end with the mummy? Yeah. Mummy is the big finale. I mean, not exactly with the mummy. I think after the mummy, they all played together for a while. For like seven minutes or stuff. Or, I think... It, I mean, and also the piece gets weirder and weirder as it goes. The first solos are really musical and starts getting like a little bit naughtier. And then you know, it doesn't get much naughtier than the mummy with the tam-tam. How could it? Yeah. I'd be a better composer than that guy if I knew. (laughs) 